staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Russia did not help me get elected. You know who got me elected? You know who got me elected? I got me elected. Russia didn't help me at all. This is all about Russia, Russia, Russia. They don't talk about Russia anymore because it turned out to be a hoax. It was all a hoax. And then they say, gee, he fought back. Isn't that terrible? He fought back. Of course I fight back because it was a false accusation, a totally false accusation. And it's a disgrace. And it's a very, it's a very sad period for this country. And I think in the end, I will consider what's happening now to be one of my greatest achievements, exposing this corruption. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the program. I'm going to give you guys a little programming note. Um, It really, really gets under my skin when I bring up the black abortion rate, when I talk about what is going on in the black community and the genocide that is occurring, that Planned Parenthood operates under the mantle of Margaret Sanger and that they do this because that is what they were ordained to do. And that that is Satan's work going on and that we as Christians have to rise up against it. And someone calls and says, white women have abortions too. White women are poor too. That hurts. And so instead of getting on here and crying about abortion, because I do that on my own time in the prayer closet, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to be angry about it. Do you know why? Because those are human babies. And if we can't get angry about that as Christians, as people of faith, as people who claim to love God, your hands are raised up on Sunday and that's Planned Parenthood's biggest day. Your hands are up, the music is loud, and the babies are dying. And so pardon me if I get angry on these radio waves about abortion, all of it, but specifically what's going on in the black community because that is genocide. If you had huge numbers of white women aborting babies at the same rate as was happening in the black community, it would be a public health crisis. But it's not a public health crisis because it's what was meant to be. And so pardon me for getting a little upset about what's happening with the unborn in this country. While you think it's okay and you wear the mantle of complacency, I'm going to continue to pound on the gates of heaven for those babies. Because we're going to see an end to lawful abortion in this country. Or we're going to see glory. We're going to see glory either way. But that's what I'm working towards. And so if you don't like the methods, if you don't like the, the tenor of my conversation on that, on that topic, sounds like a you problem. But my father in heaven numbers my tears. He knows the hairs on my head. He knew my name before he formed the deep. And that same knowledge and love that he has for me, he has for every unborn baby. And if I'm called to the mission field for the babies, then that's where I'll be. And no amount of criticism or commentary will pull me off of my mission. And when you get a mind for something that God has for you to do like that, You understand where I'm coming from and you know you're never going to let it go. And I'm never going to let it go. And so for those who can't handle the fire, back up, get out of the kitchen, but you can't put it out. 
This is white hot volcanic liquid flowing from here. And if you can't handle it, then that sounds like a you problem. This hour on the program, you are the guest. You can call in at 866-963-2037. And we're going to be talking about McConnell, the Supreme Court vacancy, Dershowitz, all of it. I want to get some audio that we missed from last segment. It's Gingrich talking about how they interviewed 500 people and actually put Americans in solitary confinement trying to get the president out of office. It's number four. Come on. I mean, give me a break. They had, they interviewed 500 people. Uh, they spent millions and millions of dollars. They put several people in solitary confinement for lengths of time, which frankly should be un-American. Um, they didn't, if they didn't find it, what are they complaining about? They had all the resources. They had a whole bunch of very smart left-wing lawyers, all of whom disliked Trump. Uh, they went all out, and they didn't get anything. Now, at some point in the hunt, you got to decide there's no deer in the forest. Uh, and the fact is, they couldn't prove anything. And they ought to relax and just say, you know, in, in the absence of proof in America, you are innocent. Therefore, by definition, President Trump is innocent. So innocent until proven guilty, which is what I was going to say yesterday. Innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty. You do not in America have to prove that you are innocent. You don't have to prove you're not guilty. You simply are innocent until some body proves that you're guilty. And it has to be done in front of a jury of your own peers, which for the president, the only mechanism by which they can do this is impeachment. So and, and it's interesting because if you're strictly on the party line, then you could actually vote the president guilty of something without him being guilty of it. So it's not a true jury of his peers because they're they're They have motives that are, are political. But I want to highlight something he said that stuck out to me, which is that people were actually put in solitary confinement. Is this not America? Outrage. People should be marching on Washington for that revelation. And, and I'll tell you this in prior years, Prior Americans, we were a different breed. They would have been. But now it's like, well, you know, it wasn't anybody I know or it wasn't me. So, you know, maybe they deserved it. I don't think so. For an investigation into Russian collusion, notice how everyone now is actually talking about the possibility. Well, are you saying that James Comey could be guilty of, um, you know, treason? Because people know what happens. Treason, it, that's punishable by the death penalty. We haven't found anybody guilty of treason, and I, I can't remember if, if historically we've ever found anybody guilty of treason in this country. The punishment is deterrent enough. Now, we've had spies and stuff like that, but treason? So I don't think the president is tossing that term around lightly, but I do hope that people will understand that it's not about him wanting people to get killed. It's about him wanting justice to be served in this situation. What has happened to some people who've been involved in this is not right. And they deserve justice. The investigation into the other side is what I'm talking about. So this was one of my favorite bits of audio from yesterday, but we had so many fantastic callers, we didn't get to it. And by the way, you can call in 866-963-2037. Warning, if you call in here to try to, um, you know, come at me about abortion, I'm going to light you on fire. So just know that. If, you're, if that's what you're wanting, call in and I'll give it to you. I'm happy to light you on fire, but that's what you're getting today. So McConnell on possible Supreme Court vacancy in 2020, he was sipping some water and said, oh, we'll fill it. It's number two. Oh, we'd fill it. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I, the reason I started with the judges, as important as all these other things are that we're talking about, I mean, if you want to have a long-lasting positive impact on the country, everything else changes. You know, I, I remember during the tax bill, there were people agonizing over whether one part of the tax bill was permanent or not. I said, look, the only way the tax bill is permanent depends upon the next election. The next election because people have different views about taxes in the two parties and approach it differently when they get in power. <clears throat> what can't be undone is a lifetime appointment to a young man or woman who believes in the quaint notion that the job of the judge is to follow the law. So that's the most important thing we've done for the country, which cannot be undone. So I love his dedication to this issue because as he has articulated on numerous occasions and did so just then, he's making changes that will prevent a future president, Republican or Democrat, from having activist judges enact the will of an ideology instead of maintaining and upholding the Constitution and the will of the founders, which is the will of the governed, the consent of the governed, the will of the people. So it is super important for us that Mitch McConnell not go off task. I do wish I, I I sincerely pray that Mitch McConnell could come to a revelation of what this open borders policy is doing to this country and that he could be more supportive to the president on the issue of immigration. But his work in the arena of the judges, the appointment of judges who have lifetime appointments, it can't be overstated the importance of that work. And so you're kind of in a situation with Mitch McConnell the same kind of situation you're in with, um, you know, President Trump. President Trump said he was fine with, you know, gay marriage, you know, good for him. Talking about Pete Buttigieg. Uh, you know, he's he said a couple of other things that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I disagree. But he's also the most pro-life president we've ever had. And so, you know, I take I'll take my wins where I can get them. And if we're winning on the issue of life. And he's not willing to run up against the buzzsaw that is a previous Supreme Court ruling called Obergefell. OK, you know, it's not that I'm fine with or like those comments, but I'm OK with the lay of the land if this is what he's going to do. And, and so it's it's a constant measuring and going back and forth where you're just saying, you know, wow, um, what did he just say? Oh, but what did he just do? Oh, okay. It's, it's a constant thing. We, we just have to remember to pray for him because he's got just as much. If you think about the pressure that you're under at your workplace or in your family situation, and believe me, I know what that feels like where you don't share the same politics and people are pressuring you to come on back, come back home, come to the other side, come to the right side of history and all that malarkey. When, when that's happening to you and you feel that pressure and you just want to be in relationship with your family or your coworkers or your friends. You don't want it to be about politics, but that's all it seems to be. Now, multiply that times 10 million, and that's where the president is. Because it's not just family or anything like that. Because Ivanka and Jared are totally, they're liberals. They're fiscal conservatives, but they're socially liberal. And he loves Ivanka, and he works closely with her, has done for the past 20-some-odd years. So, of course, he wants to be just... You know, let's not fight about these issues. Let's not talk about these. But there's also core supporters who are on different sides of this thing. People that he knows and has worked with for a long time that happen to be open homosexuals. So the president has these same pressures on him. It, there's no excuse. We have to look at the word of God and we have to say, this is my divining rod. And this is where I will 
I'm going to stand on this. I'm standing on this, on all of these issues, no matter how hard the pressure from your family and everything else goes. Don't don't take this wrong. I'm not saying because Donald Trump is yielding on a couple of areas that that's what we're supposed to do. Oh, no, the opposite. Actually, the opposite. Find what the word of God says and grab onto it with both hands like the horns on the altar and don't let go. But I can't tell Donald Trump what to do other than with my vote. And he's on the right side of life all day. And we need that right now. If that is our core issue, if that is your number one issue, as it is for me, then that is what we have to be focused on. The border is a huge, you guys know, I'm, I'm, I want to see movement on that. And I, I'm praying for that as well. But the pro-life issue, that's the number one issue. So, you know, take that as, a, as, as you may. Um, so we talked about, the, speaking of Mitch McConnell, to circle back around, Mitch McConnell talking about, yes, we're going to fill it. So a bunch of people said that was a double standard. And I got to give this to you right here. Um, everyone is losing their minds. Leader McConnell was in Paducah, Kentucky. Um, and he was talking about, you know, uh, a vacancy created in a presidential year. The leader has noted on multiple occasions that not since the 1880s has a vacancy created in a presidential year been confirm- confirmed by the party opposite the occupant of the White House. His comments in Paducah yesterday simply confirmed this. The reason why he would go forward with an appointment in an election year is because the Republicans control the confirming body for the Supreme Court of the United States, which is the Senate, and they control the White House. If the Republicans didn't control the Senate, then he's saying, according to the precedent set by so many other sitting presidents and senates, he would not confirm. So he has not changed. He's not it's not a double standard. He's not backtracked. Let me give you the quotes because he's quoted numerous times. So 2020 Republican White House, Republican Senate would not be the same as a 2016 White House, which was Democrat White House, Republican Senate. Leader McConnell on the Senate floor, um, he said, of course, it's within the president's authority to nominate a successor, even though in a very rare circumstance, remember that the Senate has not filled a vacancy arising in an election year when there was a divided government since 1888, almost 130 years ago. Leader McConnell said on March 1st, 2016, that you'd have to go back to 1888 when Grover Cleveland was in the White House to find the last time a vacancy created in a presidential year was confirmed by the party opposite the occupant in the White House. He's consistent. Find something else to whine about, liberals. We'll be back with more after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, I'm asked often what my favorite part of the Holy Land tour is. And that's like choosing between your children, right? That's very hard to pick just one uh, place to see or to visit that's the most special. But to me, uh, it's the boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, I guess, is number one. That's just a very special day because you know that's exactly where Jesus was, the Sea of Galilee. We're seeing the same terrain that Jesus saw. But there's so much more to our visit to the Holy Land, our trip there in March 2020. We'll go to Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Jericho, Nazareth, and on and on. If you want more information on the tour to Israel, go to TWHolyLand.com. 
That's TWHolyLand.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. 29 years ago, Alan Bloom wrote the book, The Closing of the American Mind. Last week, Charles Koch wrote an op-ed with the same title. There are some similarities between the two, but also one important difference. Charles Koch looks back at the revolutionary technological advances we have made and now take for granted. He is concerned that government and the academy are stifling progress. When he attended MIT, he discovered that scientific and technological progress requires the free and open exchange of ideas. The same holds true for moral and social progress. In America, we used to believe that progress comes from the free exchange of ideas and from challenging other people's views and hypotheses. The spontaneous process of collaboration and challenge led to the technological advances we have today. Charles Koch is concerned that the U.S. is already far down the path to becoming a less open and free society, and the current cultural and political atmosphere threatens to make the situation worse. In previous commentaries, I've talked about how political correctness and bias against contrary views are transforming the colleges and universities. Charles Koch laments that education in America, and particularly in higher education, has become increasingly hostile to the free exchange of ideas. On many campuses, a climate of intellectual conformity has replaced open debate and inquiry, stifling discussion on a host of topics ranging from history to science to economics. Many liberals and progressives may dislike the Koch brothers, but I certainly hope that they would agree with his diagnosis. Nearly three decades ago, Alan Bloom wrote about how higher education failed democracy and impoverished the souls of today's students. Charles Koch now sees how the intellectual conformity on the campus and in government stifles innovation. This is the legacy of closed minds. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Antisemitism, go to viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. What I saw today was him putting his thumb, his elbow on the scale when he said, quote, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. That was absolutely inappropriate for him to say. It was worse than anything that Comey said when he exonerated Hillary Clinton and then said, but she engaged in extremely careless conduct. Everybody condemned that. This is much, much worse. And it does show that he had a motive to help the Democrats here. There's no other possible motive why he would have gone out of his way to say that. He could have easily said the opposite. If we had confidence that the president uh, didn't commit a crime, we would have said it. If we had confidence that he committed a crime, we would have said it. But no, he emphasized only the possibility the president might have committed a crime. That went well beyond his authority as special counsel. It also showed we never should have had a special counsel. So we never should have had a special counsel, according to Dershowitz. And, and this is important stuff, you guys. You know, um, I know a lot of people are kind of really burnt out on the Mueller investigation, and they're so glad it's over, and they're so glad that Mueller is going into private life. But I just I, I can't get over how frail and weak he sounded when he was making his little, you know, it, it was like a deal he made with the devil or Nancy Pelosi, one or the other, where he would go out and make this one final statement saying I don't need to testify. The report speaks for itself. Well, if it speaks for itself, then why are you coming out and making more comments? I mean, I'm just just asking, uh, like, why? Why even talk at all? Why was he out again talking and flapping his gums if it was really over? 
So it's not over. It's not over because AG Barr is going to do some investigating. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I am, fa- you know what, just let them go ahead on and do what they're going to do. Because we need a resolution to exactly how it is our FBI and intelligence agencies thought they could have an insurance policy, quote unquote, how no one within those walls was willing to say, wait a minute. I'm not interested in seeing a Republican win this thing either. But what you're talking about doing is an abuse of power, an abuse of process, and it involves more than just this agency. They actually utilized the mechanisms by which you're supposed to be using them to kind of say, okay, if there's one of these forms filled out correctly, then you don't do, um, you, you don't go to the FISA court. But they just flipped it and used those forms to justify FISA applications to unmask in which they unmask American identities. And what's infuriating about this is, you know, for those of us who don't have any contacts overseas, I mean, I I do know people who still live over there, but not the kind of people who, if I was talking to them on the phone or, or on WhatsApp, that those people would trigger a FISA unmasking, nothing like that. But if you think about it, it, it feels so far away from us, right? It feels far away from, you know, just like regular Joes. But the fact is, it's right. It's close to us. You know why? Because you don't know when you might have an opportunity to do that. And even if you never have an opportunity to talk to someone overseas who, uh, you know, and and then you would be unmasked because that person has some kind of tertiary connection to terrorism. For Americans who do have that, they're having their rights violated. And when American rights are violated, it is a problem for all of us because if it stands for those Americans Next time, it could be you and me, and we could all be in the same country, and we didn't have to have anything to do with terrorism, and they could be listening in on our phone conversations. And, and, you know, I know the little self-righteous toadies will say, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, the Constitution is not about, well, if you're not doing anything wrong. It's not you're protected and you have innate rights that are given to you by God, and if you don't do anything wrong, the government can't. No, no, that's not what it's about. We have a right to privacy. Regardless, we have a right to privacy. That right supersedes our actions. It's not you have a right to privacy if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican or if you're in good standing with this organization or if the lady at the ACLU likes you or if the IRS thinks you're okay. It's you have a right to privacy, period. If your information is to be searched, your online information, your phone calls, any of it, if it's to be searched, a warrant is required. In order to get a warrant, probable cause or some kind of information that justifies the warrant has to be presented. And then you have to get the warrant before the listening, culling, taking of data, the surveillance, the spying. Before that begins, you have to have received notification that you're being investigated. You, you're being looked into. We're coming into your house to look at your files. We're confiscating your computer. We're, we're coming in. We're going to get your phones. You have to have a warrant on you in order to get in. Or you can say, get out. You can't come in. That's your right. And so we're, we're watching as our rights are eroded. Our, our rights are being eroded. Taken down. We should never, ever be willing to to give up those rights. We should never say, well, you know, so a few Americans were thrown into solitary confinement. Really? These are the kinds of things that I would hope. Uh, we, yesterday we had a caller who said he just couldn't support the president. He really felt like, you know, the president was hiding something. Well, let's just think for a second. If they found someone that they wanted information out of so badly that they threw that person in solitary confinement to kind of give them a little taste 
to try to motivate them to open their mouth up and share something, spill the beans, tell us what we want to know about Trump. And they went to solitary confinement and they didn't share. Then what more could the president possibly be hiding beyond that? Nothing. And that that's kind of the, the, the point to it. That's, it's not kind of, it is the point to it. Um, I want to make sure and get to, so I have two things. The president had an impromptu presser when he was departing the White House. And I want to give you a little info on that. Um, it was a Q&A and I have the, the transcript here. But first, I talked about this yesterday, that China was gearing up to weaponize rare earths. Now, rare earth elements can be found all over the, the planet, but China has a particularly good set of deposits of rare earth minerals, and they have made it their business to stand up companies in which that mine these rare earth min- minerals and then sell them to other nations. So Beijing is actually going to use their dominance of rare earth minerals to hit back in the deepening trade war that they're engaged in with Washington, D.C., A flurry of Chinese media reports on Wednesday, including an editorial in the flagship newspaper of the Communist Party, raised the prospect of Beijing cutting imports of the commodities that are critical in defense, energy, electronics, and automobile sectors. The world's biggest producer, China, supplies about 80% of U.S. imports of rare earths. Now I'm going to stop there and put a pin in that and just say, one of the things that President Trump did since he's been in office is he has brought back a lot of our steel manufacturing not to the degree that we used to have it back, you know, pre-World War II, that type of thing, but definitely many, many more opportunities to buy American-made steel. The reason why that's important to us as a country is because if we don't have any way to produce steel here in this country, we don't have the ability to make war because we need steel for the planes and everything else. So we need steel for the ships and the the bombs and the tankers. We need it for the the A1M1 Embram Abrams tanks and and whatever the current iteration is. So we have to be able to manufacture our own steel. And President Trump has been saying for decades, since he's been a private citizen long before now, that not having steel manufacturing in this country is a national security. Uh, It's of national security importance. It impacts that. So this is the same thing, in my opinion. And I'm not speaking from what I've heard the president say. I'm just going off of, you know, just good, good, basic common sense says that if rare earth minerals are used in defense, energy, electronics, and automobile sectors, and we have access to rare earth minerals here in this country, we should not outsource the mining and extraction of those rare earth minerals completely to Beijing. As much as we are an ally with them, they are also the number one alternative superpower seeking to usurp our dominance across the world. And that might not be such a bad thing if they were a representative republic or any kind of, you know, so-called democratic state. But they're a communist. And if they were to be the ones who were leading, directing, and behind the scenes pushing different types of, of policy initiatives and shaping thought about, you know, human rights and the treatment of women and girls and disadvantaged populations... We would see a radical shift in the way our world operates, and it would have negative impacts on the United States and especially tiny developing nations that require the assistance of the bigger nations. Those countries would suffer greatly. And so it's super important that the president is making this this move. What I hope and pray would occur next is that Individuals with the ability to actually mine these rare earth minerals would start standing up companies and answering the need for the United States to have our own operations in this area. 
So this threat to weaponize strategic materials ratchets up the tension between the world's two biggest economies before an expected meeting between Presidents Xi Jinping and Donald Trump at the G20 meeting next month. It also shows how China is weighing their options after the U.S. blacklisted Huawei, cutting off the supply of American components it needs to make its smartphones and networking gear. So basically, they're saying tit for tat. You don't give us what we need for Huawei? We won't give you any rare earth minerals. See how many phones you make after that. China has shown in the past that it can use the rare earth minerals as a bargaining chip when it comes to multilateral negotiations. And we shouldn't underestimate China's ability to fight the trade war. And this is according to the People's Daily, their communist newspaper. They said uh, that don't say I didn't warn you. It's a, it's a rare Chinese phrase that means don't say I didn't warn you. The specific wording was used by the paper in 1962 before China went to war with India. And those familiar with Chinese diplomatic language know the weight of this phrase. The Global Times actually did that analysis, and they are a newspaper affiliated with the Communist Party, and they said that in an article from last April. This phrase, don't say I didn't warn you, was also used before a conflict broke out between China and Vietnam in 1979. Now, they're seriously, China is seriously considering restricting rare earth exports to the U.S. and may also implement other countermeasures. And, um, you know, a lot of these newspapers are talking about the National Development and Reform Commission telling CCTV, which is their communist TV station, that people in the country won't be happy to see products made with exported rare earths being used to suppress China's development. Editorials in the Global Times and Shanghai Security News took similar tacks in their Wednesday editions. Um, mm, so this is really, really, really interesting. Now, just to be clear, the United States actually excluded the rare earth elements in the trade war. So the tariffs that were raised to 25% from 10%, um, we excluded their rare earth mineral producers. So also as a bit of information, and I, I always love it when I find out stuff like this because this is not my normal, like normally I'm not looking at minerals and like understanding how many we have or what have you. But this is kind of fascinating. Rare earth minerals aren't particularly rare. Cerium, the most abundant, is more common in the earth's crust than copper. All other rare earth elements besides promethium can be found more widely than silver, gold, or platinum, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. However, concentrated and economic deposits are scarce and production is dominated by a handful of countries. China is the biggest by far, accounting for almost 70% of global production of rare earths and 40% of the world's reserves. Now, they have a handful of producers, China Northern Rare Earth Group, Min Metals Rare Earth Company, Zamen Tungsten Company, and China Co. Rare Earth and Metals Company. The nation has formed, or actually has, uh, has used the elements to make, make a political point in the past. They blocked exports to Japan after, after they had a maritime dispute with them back in 2010, and... Um, you know, as in response to these announcements and these newspaper articles, China Northern stock rose 9.3% in Shanghai. Linus Corporation, which is the biggest producer of rare earth products outside of China, added 16%. They're uh, actually located in Sydney. And Hong Kong listed China Rare Earth Holdings Limited spiked 41% after doubling in value in the month of May. So this month. So, uh, 
you know, we've previously, our country, the United States, has joined together with other nations earlier in this decade um, in a World Trade Organization court, uh, court case to force the nation to export more rare earth minerals amid a global shortage. The World Trade Organization ruled in favor of America and, you know, prices slumped because people were turning away from China for alternatives. In the long run, the best thing that can happen is for us to see the seriousness of the China threat and to start mining and producing our own. The question is, can we stand up an operation like that and get the level, you know, the level of of production that's needed to meet our needs? I don't think so. They're probably going to have to go to alternative sources for the rare earth minerals and in the meantime, keep working on getting our own production, mining and production up to speed. Just another cleanup job for the president. I really think it's it's just like incompetence on the level and scale that we saw with Barack Obama is stunning. It really is. It's just stunning. On almost every area, like I, I, I defy any of you liberals who listen to the show to call in and give me an area where he just was stellar and he did a, a fantastic job. Yeah, he looked good in a suit. He liked to sing and slow jam the news at night on uh, the late night talk shows. And he was a good husband and father. Besides that, what did he do? Unbelievable. Every area the president has to come in and make up a whole bunch of new headway or start us from behind as a country because of the actions of the previous president. And people are worried about the Mueller report. All right. So the president had a gaggle. Uh, This was, let's see. Yeah. Impromptu press conference prior to departing the White House for his trip to Colorado. Um, And it was this morning. So he made the announcement that Turkey has released a prisoner that we were trying to get. They released him a little bit, a little bit ago into home custody, and he's going to be released from home custody into the United States pretty soon. And he thanked President Erdogan. Uh, And so he talked about the economy. Um, He's going out to Colorado to give the commencement address for the Air Force, and he's looking forward to that. Um, He got questions from the media about the Mueller report. He, and does the president still think Robert Mueller behaved honorably? And he feels like, President Trump feels like the Mueller, he's totally conflicted. And that's partially because according to President Trump, Mueller wanted to be the FBI director and he said no. And they previously had a business dispute together. Not a nice one. Oh, and Mueller wasn't happy with what the president did to him. Mm. And that Mueller and Comey are best buds. So interesting that the president has all this backstory with these people. All right. Stay right there. We'll be back with more 866-963-2037. More than likely, you've seen or heard about the recent abortion law in New York City that allows babies to be aborted up to term. Your heart breaks, but you're not sure how you can make a difference in a positive way. The Ministry of Preborn invites you to help be the change. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. The Preborn Center in the heart of New York City is a light in the darkness. When a woman sees her baby on an ultrasound, she'll choose life over 80% of the time. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry and it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and you'll receive a story and a picture of babies whose lives were spared. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. 
That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. This is Fox on Justice. A year ago, Michael Avenatti was flying high, a superstar lawyer leveling allegations against President Trump on behalf of his client, Stormy Daniels, joining the battle over Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and even flirting with a presidential run. But now Avenatti has been brought low, charged with embezzlement, bank fraud, tax charges and the defrauding of Stormy Daniels. He's denied it all. I am not going to be intimidated from stopping what I am doing. In an interview with Vanity Fair, Avenatti is quoted as saying, I couldn't believe how unbelievably great everything was. Now there are days when I can't believe what a nightmare this is. He also invoked the mythical tale of Icarus, saying, Some would argue at this point that I flew too close to the sun. As I sit here today, yes, absolutely, I know I did. Avenatti has now attacked Vanity Fair, calling the article a hit job. With Fox on Justice, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You can say this any way you would like, but here's the bottom line. After two years of a political rectal exam, nobody's been looked at more than Trump. They found nothing. But the answer for the Democrats is Trump's got to go. They will not beat him at the ballot box. If they try to impeach him, they're going to ensure his reelection. I want the American people to know that Bob Mueller did his job. He looked at Trump every way you could look at Trump, and he found nothing. And this is just political revenge. It's going to blow up in their face, and I can't wait to 2020. You got to love that Lindsey Graham. He says he can't wait until 2020. It already looks good for the president, actually. It already looks good. But um, it's going to look particularly good if they decide to impeach him in the House because they can't get it done in the Senate. And let's let's not pretend that we don't have a a couple of turncoats in there. We have three. um, Mitt Romney. And it, it has to be some kind of curse that's going on in the Senate where the Republicans can control the Senate, but they always have a few Republican senators who aren't really Republican. And Mitt Romney's one of them. He actually criticizes the president on issues where the president is uh, true to the platform. But beyond that, it's, it's Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. The two of them should not be on the Republican side. They should be Democrats. Or like the people from Alaska and uh, Susan Collins, Maine, they, they should send a true Republican there. But that gets down into 
party politics for the groups of, of like, and obviously state senators are elected by the states that they come from. And these are states that are kind of turning purple. They're getting a little more liberal. So uh, anyway, I, I, I just feel like it's kind of sad what's going on there. Um, so there were a couple of other things. Um, so this story is actually, I shared it and people were pointing out that it was from a little bit ago, but I don't remember covering this on air. Do you remember David Delayden, the one who put together the Center for Medical Progress videos that actually showed that Planned Parenthood was selling the aborted baby parts for profit and that their people were so callous about it? Well, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has issued a ruling that uh, allows Texas to strip Planned Parenthood of their Medicaid funding. And the tapes, the Texas Health and Human Services Commission actually used the tapes from, um, you know, David Delayden, which... Californian judges and Californian activists specifically from Planned Parenthood have said that he doctored the tapes and that they're, they're not accurate. They're not to be used, but they're not inaccurate. So the Planned Parenthood associates were discussing the processes by which organs from the remains of aborted children could be harvested and donated for a fee. And they claim that those were selectively edited. The ruling affirms that Planned Parenthood associates did indeed circumvent legal and ethical guidelines in pursuit of harvesting human organs And all of this is in direct contradiction to what the so-called Women's Health Organization and its eager defenders in the press claimed after the tapes were released in 2015. The Fifth Circuit's decision includes two key quotes, and I won't read them here. They're very graphic. Remember, the Center for Medical Progress videos are some of the most graphic, um, you know, videos that you can watch in their um, complete and utter infiltration of Planned Parenthood, the organization. And so I won't read them here, but the videos were not selectively edited. And I know that for some people, they're like, well, I did read that story. But for everyone who missed it, like me, that's good news. And I love sharing good news to see David Delayden be vindicated. The man actually went into the belly of the beast and withstood and then came back out. And a lot of uh, a lot of people, I, I wonder if they would have been able to, to withstand what happened to him, them storming his house, confiscating the videos, putting a gag order on him so he couldn't release them anymore, shutting him down, shutting his website down for a time. Um, you know, the prosecution of them, he was jailed for a while. I mean, it was just an amazing story of someone who just would not give up. He was like a dog on a bone, a dog that hadn't had any breakfast or dinner for like two weeks. He was crazy, rabidly committed to this cause. And it was to me, there are a number of people swinging the axe, you know, just hitting the tree and, and making their mark. But it was those undercover videos. I felt like that it, it was the first time we heard a crack in that tree and understood that it was falling was when people around the country were watching those videos and crying on live streams and crying on Twitter and just talking about how much the devastation of realizing that this organization that they previously respected and supported and even went to for what they call reproductive care outside of abortions, that that's what they were doing. It was an amazing thing that he accomplished. And so it's great to see him have some vindication. Um, So we have to, you know, just be, we have to be happy for what we can get. Right. Um, So additionally, y'all might have heard that Nancy Pelosi was giving a little bit of like, she was giving some thought to possibly entertaining a little bit of impeachment. It's not true. According to CNN politics, I know. <laughs> According to CNN politics, she is resisting 
pressure, along with Jerry Nadler, which is funny, interesting, not funny, haha. Um, they're resisting pressure from the left to open an impeachment inquiry. They were actually told that, you know, get it done, Nancy and Jerry, to do it on Wednesday. Even though Robert Mueller's announcement seemed like it was gift wrap for them, like, you can do it now. Now you can go ahead and do it. Um, they pledged to continue the House investigations into alleged wrongdoing. But I think she says, well, first of all, Pelosi says she thinks only about 15 percent of House Democrats are outspoken on impeachment at this time. But she says nothing is off the table. I think it's off the table for Nancy because she knows what happens. They lose big in 2020 if they do it. I, I want them to do it. Do it, man. Get it done. But I don't think she's going to do it. I think she's going to resist. But there is something else that might happen. Nancy Pelosi might experience a coup at the hands of fellow Democrats who call themselves more progressive than she and she might end up losing the speaker gavel, if not before 2020, in 2020, if the Democrats should lose the House. So she's trying to get all of the soldiers in line to fight, to possibly even hopefully take back the Senate or take the presidency, even though it's a long shot. She wants to see them gain something. And all they want to do is impeach Donald Trump, even if it doesn't mean he's leaving office. They just want to be able to say they've impeached him. And it's just bad business. So one of the Democratic House members actually told CNN's Jim Acosta that there's growing pressure on Pelosi to launch these impeachment proceedings, that members are growing more restless. Ooh, it's getting tough for her. It is so tough for her. But, you know, I don't feel sorry for Nancy. Um, the other thing that's it, it kind of bears delving into with this is how much time the Democrats are spending talking about impeachment and the president's tax returns and his financial dealings and how little time they're spending talking about their own policy proposals and what they would do if they took back the Senate, what they would do besides, I'm sorry, they have said about gun control. They've said a lot about gun control. Um, they said a lot about single payer health care. But I'm talking about stuff that actually excites Americans because uh, polls show Americans don't care about single payer health care. They don't want it. And they don't want more gun control. They're not interested in, in large numbers in that. If they were, they would change the composition of the House of Representatives and the Senate. That's, that's how you get that done. So uh, they're not doing that. And I think it's kind of interesting that she's forced to deal with these people instead of working on campaigning, which is what she really wants to be doing. Now, there's this um, new, well, it's it's a new issuance of a prediction this professor he correctly predicted the last nine presidential elections and he says that president trump will win in 2020 unless the democrats impeach he says that if the democrats impeach the president then he will not win he's an american university professor his name is alan lichtman he's a political historian and he says the democrats only have a shot at the white house if they begin impeachment proceedings against trump calling the decision both constitutionally and politically right in the wake of special counsel Mueller's investigation. He says it's a false dichotomy to say that Democrats have a choice between doing what's right and what is constitutional and what is politically right. Impeachment is also politically right. So Lickman has developed the system of 13 key factors that help determine whether the party in the white house will maintain its hold. According to CNN, the factors actually range from whether the party has an incumbent president running to the country's short and long-term economic conditions to foreign policy successes and failures. If the party loses out on six factors or more, he says they then lose the presidency. What I find interesting about this is that he starts off with this, the, that the president has to be impeached. The 
people of this country, and when I, when I say impeached, meaning that he would have to impeach, they would have to impeach the president and remove him from office. Barring that, then he wins. They don't have the ability to remove President Trump from office with the Senate as it's currently comprised. So what is he saying? <laughs> it seems like he's advocating for impeachment, even though he knows that, the, that it can't be done. He knows it can't get done, but he's advocating for it anyway. So we have a few minutes left in this segment. Call lines are open. If you want to join in, 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. So I think that's that's crazy pants. Um, In the world that we're living in for shopping, you guys know when I actually did a huge segment on a show Um, on the weekend version of this program years ago when I heard that we were getting an Ikea here. Well, just like Target, Ikea is going to hoist the rainbow flag at their stores for Pride Month. They're selling a rainbow bag to benefit the homosexual advocacy group. This is so disappointing. Okay, so they're going to partner with the Human Rights Campaign Foundation. And the guy who's making this announcement is Raphael Fanatozzi. Fantasy, company diversity and inclusion manager, of course. Uh, He says, at Ikea, our culture is centered on the value of togetherness. We believe equality is a fundamental human right and that all homes are created equal. Well, we know that's not true. Let's look at the kids who live in homes where the parents don't care about them. Do you think those kids think their home is equal to a kid whose parents are, you know, really interested in him and take care of him? Or kid who the parents are... Like, you know, spending time reading, um, clothing, feeding, you know, all homes aren't created equal. Come on. Outside of the whole same sex, LGBTQ, et cetera thing. So the the bag, this rainbow bag is already in sale in the UK uh, and Ireland. The flags were reportedly hoisted on May 17th. And so for their U.S. market, they're actually touting the fact that 2019 is their 25th year since they first ran a homosexual themed advertisement, which they characterized as groundbreaking. They aired this ad back in 1994, and it was the first national TV spot to ever feature a gay couple, two men shopping together for a dining room table at an Ikea store. I don't even understand what they think is going on here. Every time I'm in the Ikea store here in St. Louis, when I'm in there, it's nothing but women And sometimes it's the whole family eating dinner after they've shopped. Other times it's a bunch of moms and babies. It's like mom groups meeting there and then they they shop and then they eat in the cafeteria. What are they thinking? Their main group of customers is not homosexuals. It's, It's families, traditional families. So they're, they're not alone. Um, In addition to Ikea, Gap launched a Love Always campaign. They're donating 15% of the proceeds to um, the UN Free and Equal Initiative. Adidas, Reebok, Ugg, and Nike have all announced their 2019 rainbow-themed collections. Listerine made their bottles rainbow-striped for the month of June. Disney has rolled out an additional rainbow product. Starbucks is selling a rainbow love tumbler. The sparkling water brand Bubbly is additionally making available a pride pack with each being a different color to represent the rainbow. 
Mm. So let's just be clear about a couple things. What we've heard over and over again is that people who are homosexuals are born this way. The Bible teaches that all men are born with Adam's sin nature, having various inherent inclinations that are contrary to the law of God and being utterly incapable of changing by ourselves. But Jesus outlined in John 3 verses 5 through 7 that men must be regenerated by the second birth or they cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus answered and said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That was born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The gospel says Jesus saves people from their sins. The Bible says a new heart also will I give to you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Jesus declared in Mark 1 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe in the gospel. That's for all of us. Let's pray that more people would come to know this truth with us. Don't email me if you're offended about today's show. I'm still ready to light you up via email. I just want to be left alone to do what God has called me to do. God bless you.